0: You're tuned to WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported.
1: Community Radio for South Central Indiana.
2: Good afternoon from the studios of Community Radio 91.3 FM. Reporting live for WFHB, this is Sydney Foreman.
3: And I'm Cade Young. This is the WFHB Local News for Wednesday, March 18th, 2020.
2: Coming up, we have a special edition of the WFHB Local News, where we dive deep into the local impacts of coronavirus.
3: Over the course of the next half hour, we hear from our remote correspondents, as well as talking to a psychologist, a doctor, and local nonprofits about COVID-19.
2: First up, WFHB Correspondent Brayden Lentz informs us on what is coronavirus?
4: Coronavirus. What exactly is a coronavirus and what is COVID-19? According to the World Health Organization, coronavirus is, quote, a large family of viruses that cause illness ranging from the common cold to more severe diseases, end quote. The coronavirus family creates other respiratory diseases notable to the Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, or SARS, to the Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, or MERS. Both have reportedly been contracted from animals or people. Two examples were reported in 2002 to 2004 when SARS was transmitted from civet cats to humans. Mares recently broke out from dromedary camels, then spread. According to fact checks from the Center for Disease Control and Prevention, coronavirus can also spread from person to person. The prime examples of person to person contacts could be from, quote, healthcare workers to household members, end quote. From WFHB, I am Braden Lentz.
3: A frequently asked question is how does coronavirus spread? Well, coronavirus can spread in several ways. First of all, it can spread from person to person. The Center for Disease Control says this is the main way coronavirus is thought to be spread. This means between people who are in close contact with one another, about six feet apart.
2: It's a good idea to maintain a healthy distance from one another by practicing what is called social distancing. According to Johns Hopkins... Social distancing is, quote, a public health practice that aims to prevent sick people from coming in close contact with healthy people in order to reduce opportunities for disease transmission, end quote.
3: The goal of social distancing in the U.S. should be to lower the pace and the extent of spread of COVID-19 in any given city or community.
2: Center for Disease Control also reported COVID-19 can spread through respiratory droplets produced when an infected person coughs or sneezes. These droplets can land in the mouths or noses of people who are nearby or possibly be inhaled into the lungs.
3: It's commonly asked, can someone spread the virus without being sick? People are thought to be most contagious when they are most symptomatic. Spread of the virus can happen before people even show symptoms, although this is rare.
2: Spread of the virus can also come from contaminated surfaces when someone touches that surface and then touches their mouth or nose.
3: The virus causing COVID-19 spreads quickly as compared to previous viruses. It spreads easily in cities and communities in certain geographic areas where those infected might not know how they contracted the virus. This concept is known as community spread.
2: In the United States, the virus remains in its earliest stages as compared to other parts of the world, such as Italy and China.
3: As of now, over a hundred people have been tested in Indiana. If you show symptoms, contact your medical provider. In addition, IU Health is offering virtual screenings.
2: Experts are concerned with how to flatten what is called the exponential curve. This curve describes the number of reported cases over time.
3: The Washington Post reported if the number of cases were to continue to double every three days, there would be about 100 million cases in the United States by May.
2: You can flatten the curve by taking precautionary measures to prevent COVID-19 from spreading. With protective measures, over time, the number of daily cases of coronavirus will taper off within the healthcare system capacity.
3: So this leads to the next question. What can you do to prevent the spread of coronavirus? Well, the CDC says you can one, clean your hands often, wash your hands often with soap and water for at least 20 seconds, especially after you have been in a public space or after blowing your nose, coughing or sneezing.
2: You can also avoid close contact. Avoid close contact with people who are sick. Put a distance between yourself and other people if COVID-19 is spreading in your community. This is especially important for people who are at a higher risk of getting very sick.
3: Number three, stay home if you're sick. This is an important one. Stay home if you're sick except to get medical care.
2: Number four is cover coughs and sneezes. Cover your mouth and nose with a tissue when you cough or sneeze, or use the inside of your elbow. Throw used tissues in the trash. Immediately wash your hands with soap and water for at least 20 seconds. If soap and water are not readily available, clean your hands with hand sanitizer that contains at least 60% alcohol.
3: Fifthly, wear a face mask if you are sick. If you are not sick, you do not need to wear a face mask unless you are caring for someone who is sick and they are not able to wear a face mask. Face masks may be in short supply and they should be saved for caregivers.
2: Number six, clean and disinfect. Clean and disinfect frequently touched surfaces daily. This includes tables, doorknobs, light switches, countertops, handles, desks, phones, keyboards, toilets, faucets, and sinks. If surfaces are dirty, clean them, use detergent or soap and water prior to disinfection. It seems in the current times of a racing pandemic, a lot of people also find themselves with rising panic and gut-wrenching anxiety. Undoubtedly, this is certainly a time to be aware and cautious. However, it is also important to relieve some of that built-up anxiety, which could be negatively impacting your sleep, eating habits, and overall mental health. Sleeping is one of the most productive ways to fight off viruses. While you are sleeping, your immune system encourages T-cell production. T-cells are white blood cells that attack and destroy virus-carrying cells. I spoke with psychologist and professor, Michael James, about cognitive behavioral techniques to encourage virus-fighting sleep. We spoke about the field of health psychology and how our behavior affects our ability to manage stress and the effects on our immune systems. James said sleep is one factor that he thinks could play the most important role in health. He described some practices people can try to improve their sleep.
5: Pick a regular bedtime and try to stick to it, even on weekends. And uh, Research seems to indicate that um, most of us need seven to eight hours of sleep, probably eight. Uh, that's a good rule of thumb. So try to schedule your bedtime to allow for eight hours of sleep. Um, there's also some evidence that the, getting some sleep pre-midnight uh, is helpful. Uh, some research shows that the deepest stages of sleep um, occur, uh, that we get better deep-stage sleep before midnight. Uh, so if, if possible, try to schedule a bedtime that allows for uh, those pre-midnight hours as well. Uh, If you can't get to sleep or wake up and can't go back to sleep, uh, don't stay in bed and toss and turn. Try to get up and do something relaxing until you become drowsy and then go back to bed. Uh, Get regular exercise. Uh, If your body is not tired out, it may be harder for you to sleep. Uh, It's also important not to exercise too close to bedtime. Uh, You'll be too stimulated and it'll take longer for you to get uh, relaxed and drowsy so that you'll be able to sleep. Uh, Avoid napping during the daytime. If you don't get enough sleep one night, try to avoid napping and uh, that will make you better able to sleep on the next night and get good quantity and quality of sleep. Where you sleep is important. It's important to keep your bedroom dark, uh, obviously and uh, also cool. There's some research that indicates the ideal temperature for good sleep is 67 degrees. Uh, Finally, put away and turn off electronic devices when you're preparing for bedtime.
2: James also encouraged avoiding the use of caffeine and nicotine as well as other stimuli. Therefore, sleep is one of the easiest ways to fight off COVID-19. As James recommended, Staying active while staying at home will also greatly assist your health and stress reduction. He shared some tips for staying active.
5: I have in my garage a fairly well equipped uh, home gym, Uh, but uh, you can look for, you know, depending on what your preference is, if uh, yoga tapes, for example. Uh, other kinds of uh, exercise programs like that you can find in YouTube videos.
2: Fully understanding the situation is also crucial. This does not mean reading every news article and number presented in the media. However, it is understanding the actual risk for yourself and loved ones and taking the necessary steps to prevent a spread to those who are close to you and at risk. To support yourself, the Center for Disease Control recommends taking breaks from indulging in news stories, taking care of your body, and engaging with others about topics not concerning COVID-19. Overstressing can also lead to stress eating. Yes, stress eating is real. The Harvard Health Publishing Studies presented, quote that physical or emotional distress increases the intake of food high in fat, sugars, or both. End quote. People want to ingest food when they are stressed to counteract the stress hormones. When these comfort foods are eaten, they lessen the effect of stress hormones, encouraging us to engage in this act again and again. Psychologist Michael James discussed some stress-eating tendencies.
5: If we get stressed, uh, there's a tendency for us to fall back on old maladaptive patterns in uh, coping with negative emotions with uh, food or with other substances is really not a healthy thing to do. Uh, we should eat because we're hungry, and of course it's okay to enjoy eating, but we shouldn't eat to as a stress reducer. Um, so I, I think looking at your overall program, uh, getting good sleep, uh, exercising, and ma- trying to manage your stress uh, behaviorally and psychologically, and not through substances, Uh, is a good way to maintain a good diet.
2: So if you find yourself quarantined in your house and craving that last sweet treat to numb your anxiety, try meditating or exercising and saving the sweets for later. First responders to the pandemic may have an especially difficult time in reducing anxiety or even coping with secondary traumatic stress. It is important for first responders to pay attention to their own bodies and take care of their mental and physical health as well as the patients. The CDC recommends first responders to make time for themselves, step away from the virus, and focus on their family, friends, or leisure activities. The Center for Disease Control and Prevention says, quote, people with pre-existing mental health conditions should continue their treatment and be aware of new or worsening symptoms, end quote. At a time like this, it is just as important to pay attention to and take care of your mental health as it is to wash your hands for 20 seconds. The CDC's website for controlling stress about COVID-19 reads, quote, coping with stress will make you, the people you care about, and your community stronger, end quote. For
0: WFHB, I'm Sydney Foreman. On Monday morning, Indiana Governor Eric Holcomb announced the required closing of bars, nightclubs, and restaurants through the end of March. Takeout and delivery services may still continue. The Indiana State Department of Health also reported that confirmed cases of the virus remain in the double digits. As of Monday, March 16th, there is at least one confirmed death in Indiana, according to Governor Holcomb and the Indiana State Department of Health. Holcomb stated at the State House of Indianapolis that the patient was hospitalized from the virus, having predominant health issues and being over the age of 60. The patient's significant other was infected as well. According to Chief Physician Executive with Community Health Network, Dr. Ram Ulletti, the hospital used an iPad to allow the two some time to see and talk to each other before the patient passed. Several healthcare workers have been quarantined since for safety precautions. Holcomb provided many lists of the precautions currently being made in the U.S. and specified it to Indiana. The state recommends no in-person events of more than 50 people, for state employees over the age of 60 to stay home, for state employees to begin virtual work whenever possible, and for non-essential in-person meetings limited to 10 people or less. Hospitals and surgical centers are also recommended to cancel or postpone non-urgent surgical procedures immediately. Indianapolis Mayor Joe Hogsett announced the same precautions that they will do following Bloomington, shutting down all bars, restaurants, gyms, and movie theaters by 8 a.m. Tuesday. Grocery stores will remain open. On Sunday, all Kroger's in Indiana, Illinois, Michigan, Missouri, and Ohio announced a change of hours to 7 a.m. until 10 p.m. The effect that this pandemic will have on the city of Bloomington is unknown for extremities. However, as a city with over 100 restaurants and at least 20 bars, Bloomington will suffer, especially for minimum wage workers. An online petition has already been created by the founder and president of Switchyard Brewing Company, Curtis Cummings, and Cardinal Spirits CEO, Adam Kirk. The petition urges the Monroe County Food and Beverage Tax Advisory Commission to provide funds from the tax to help local businesses survive the rest of the month. Since Monday, the petition has already received 3400 signatures. According to local businesses, loss of revenue has already dropped to 50%, a loss of almost 6 million. Businesses ask for revenue back in terms of grants zero interest loans, deferred business tax payments, or even suspension of downtown parking meter fees. On the issue, Monroe County Commissioner Lee Jones stated the need for closing in-person businesses right now. However, she added her support for using food and beverage tax dollars to provide businesses the help they need. City Council President and Chairman of the Food and Beverage Tax Commission, Stephen Vollin, explained that a large part of the issue with getting funds to businesses right now is that the group would have to meet in person to vote for a solution. In light of the pandemic, many meetings have been canceled already. For WFHB, I'm Katrine Bruner.
3: Big Brothers Big Sisters of South Central Indiana are like many nonprofits in Bloomington right now. They're struggling to make ends meet. Executive Director Danelle Whitmer said Big Brothers Big Sisters lack community volunteers. Almost a dozen interns who were students at Indiana University are home on an extended break. That leaves the nonprofit empty-handed. This is the case for many local nonprofits in Bloomington. Whitmer looks on the bright side and encourages residents to volunteer and donate to nonprofits during the outbreak of COVID-19.
1: One of our our biggest challenges, you know, right now, obviously, is financial. We had to cancel our IU uh, annual fundraiser, which is the IU Bowl for Kids' Sake, which was scheduled next week. Our regular Community Bowl for Kids' Sake, which makes up about a quarter of our operating budget, is scheduled for April. So, most likely, we will have to either postpone or cancel that. Uh, We had another fundraiser set for May. Um, the 1st of May, which is more than likely we'll have to, you know, cancel that. In addition, the challenges of IU being closed, we have at any given time um, about 10 interns that work for us that help make up for, you know, some of our workflow, so they are gone in addition to just our regular Volunteers, people who um, step up to be bigs, a lot of them are college students. So, you know, we're we're going to be short on volunteers because of the school closing months early. So it looks like we want, you know, we're, we're going to have to do a big community push for volunteers to be big brothers or big sisters um, in the months ahead when we can sort of see clear of what this is. She said
3: through the lack of volunteers, the coronavirus prevents in-person training for community members who want to volunteer. All in all, the CDC-recommended practice of social distancing doesn't translate well to a volunteer-based place of business.
1: We're trying to not be, you know, fearful and driven by fear, but on the flip side of that, we need to be, you know, we're just right now, our office is closed where everyone's teleworking. I'm going in a couple of days a week, you know, just to check on things. But we're trying to, you know, to use our social distancing. So again, we we can't have anybody just walking in saying, "Hey, I want to volunteer." Um, it's just, you know, and it's just, it's not just me. Obviously, it's a crazy time for everyone. For small businesses, we've already had, you know, people who we normally partner with for events you know, reach out to me and say, hey, I know I promised you this for this event, but I can't promise you that anymore. So, you know, again, I know it's affecting, you know, so many agencies in the community and so many small businesses, and my heart goes out to every single one of them. You know, I think if we can all work together to, you know, to do for the common good, we're going to be okay. And, you know, right now our 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 mentors can't meet with their littles, Um, and the the children are in this space where I'm sure they're fearful, which is when they need their support the most.
3: As for Whitmer, it's been difficult to protect her staff from infection. For the day-to-day business operations, there aren't people coming by the office. She works remotely for most of the day. She has her cell phone connected to her business line in case she needs to make any calls.
1: That It's that balance of protecting your staff, um, yet, you know, doing, you know, your service to the community. And, you know, I went in yesterday and literally scrubbed our office from head to toe with every bleach, sanitizer, <laughs> everything that I had, because, you know, it's also my responsibility to protect our staff. So, um, you know, it's, and I, and I know that you know every agency is dealing with all of this. you know, my heart really goes out to those agencies that can't protect their staff in the way that I can because you know they're in the front lines. Um, and so that's you know and and then our medical, you know, our people in the medical field and you know it's it's a time of uncertainty, but I do think that we are better together and if we're all if we're all working together for the same common good maybe it's a reset for all of us.
3: She said we shouldn't act out of fear during the coronavirus. She said we must endure with common sense and social distancing through the pandemic.
1: Hopefully people won't be driven too much by fear and they'll they'll understand that, you know, no matter how Little, we always we have we always have enough to give a little, and so if we can, you know, again, and that applies to small businesses and nonprofits. So um, just have that not not that hoarding mentality, but that giving mentality. I think is what's going to get us through it.
3: Meanwhile, many nonprofits and small businesses are continuing through the crisis, even if it's done remotely. For WFHB, I'm Cade Young.
6: For today's update in the coronavirus, we're going to be talking about misconceptions. There are many misconceptions going around. They are disguised in different means and have been circulating with misleading information via social media platforms. This information causes a lot of different theories to which the sources are unknown. I've done research on information given to the public through these memes. The sources I've used to detect whether these are true or false are sources such as Snopes.com, which is a huge site for true and false, and scholarly sources. The first meme is the yearly illness since 2004. It's going around that it's every election year. Though it sounds or seems accurate, Snopes.com determines it's false. The next meme, which is actually the most popular, is The Simpsons, Season 4, Episode 21. The episode was supposedly a prediction of a Chinese man sneezing on a product while working. It aired on the news in the show that it was a coronavirus. Snopes.com determines it's false. The meme was actually made up. The next is African skin resists coronavirus. Snopes.com determines that that's false. Lastly, Corona Beer Association. Corona beer sales have not dropped according to Snopes.com. Most importantly, please fact check before spreading all these memes via social media. As of now, there hasn't been any more memes. For WFHB, I'm Jasmine White.
3: Up next, I had the chance to interview Dr. Robert Stone at Indiana University Health on the COVID-19 outbreak. This is part one of our interview. How do we distinguish cold or flu symptoms from those of COVID-19?
7: Well, it's really hard because some people are just going to have what seems like a cold that's not even that bad a cold. Mm-hmm. And my one of my biggest frustrations has been the inability to for people to get tested, Uh, but yesterday morning, the State Board of Health stated that its recommendations for testing were people who were basically sick enough to get admitted to the hospital and healthcare workers who may have been exposed and people people in nursing homes and prisons who may have been exposed, Uh, but they're still not anywhere near ready to start saying we've got to test large numbers of people. So that's what I mean by we're kind of flying blind right now because we just haven't done enough tests in Monroe County to know how many people there are who just have colds but um, may actually be carrying the virus. So that's supposedly going to change this week because they just opened up a new a, a bunch of new testing labs before Monday. Um, the only tests being done in the state, as far as I know, were being done by the state Department of Health, and as of Friday night, when the State Department of Health released their latest numbers, only about 85 or 90 people had even been tested. So the the testing thing has been very frustrating to me and a lot of physicians, Um, and we need to start replicating here what's being done in a lot of places and was first, I think, in the United States done um, in Washington State, where we could do things where people could actually drive in and, and get tested. So I'm a little frustrated by that, but on the other hand, when I went to Kroger yesterday, um, I was pleased that people were keeping a distance from each other. Um, they were stocking up on food, and the stores were, and the shelves were getting empty kind of fast. But there wasn't some kind of sense of panic. Uh, it was like, yeah, you know, we're doing what we need to do. We need to take care of ourselves. We need to keep a little distance, um, and we need to stay home as much as we can.
3: Kind of going off what you were saying earlier about testing, why aren't there more tests available at the moment?
7: Well, we don't know. There will be, I hope, an inquiry at some point. Uh, But the the evidence points to it being a total failure uh, of government, um, of the national government, of the White House, um, of the Federal Food and Drug Administration, the FDA. and with, um, as far as I can tell, um, nothing much better to be said by um, the current administration in Indianapolis. Um, we just, they have not made testing a high enough priority. They have not um, created an environment where that could happen. And uh, things are supposedly going to get better this week, uh, and I really hope they do. But it's been a real frustration. Uh, I've been I've been really upset about it.
3: And so, like, if you do feel symptoms, where should you go to get tested?
7: Well, I'm not exactly sure how that's going to play out as, as these new testing places are, are uh, coming online this week. But um, uh, supposedly, you can get tested at, at the emergency department and at, um, at places like uh, uh, Prompt Care, the immediate care kind of places. Um, so. I, I'm, I'm not up to date on exactly how that is unfolding this week mm-hmm. with the um, um, the opening of, of new testing laboratories, um, so I don't know for sure the answer to that right now. In the past, I was telling people go to the emergency room because um, I don't really want to overload the emergency room either. Yeah. But then apparently a lot of people went to the emergency room last week and didn't get tested because they weren't they weren't quote sick enough.
3: And you're saying they could be uh, really minor symptoms, and you can you know, be carrying the virus.
7: Right. And we need to know. We're flying blind and we need to know. Um, and then it will allow us to really have a clear understanding of what's going on. Um, and it will allow us to um, really make sure that these people who maybe just think they've got colds, I think it'll help them understand how important it is for them to self-quarantine. Um, and um, it'll just give us a lot more light in the darkness because we just don't know. Right now, there could be thousands and thousands of cases in Monroe County right now, or it could be that they're not very many, but we don't know. Just want to kind of reemphasize this sense that science is, is really important, and we really need to uh, respect uh, when, science, when science when scientists are saying things like this um, is uh, really uh, a dangerous viral infection and a dangerous epidemic that we've got to take seriously. It's, it, it, people also need to think, you know, Things like climate change, global warming, these are really serious things the scientists are talking about. We need to take this stuff seriously. We need to take precautions.
3: You've been listening to the WFHB Local News. Today's stories were written by Jasmine White, Katrine Bruner, Braden Lentz, Cade Young, and Sydney Foreman.
2: Our theme music is provided by Mark Bingham and the Social Climbers. Our executive producer is Kate Young. Catch the local news on Friday at 5 p.m. for more coronavirus news.
3: Thank you for supporting Indiana's only volunteer-powered, listener-supported, independent local news program.
2: You can be part of our award-winning news team. Send inquiries to news at wfhb.org.
3: Stay tuned for Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio. Hereabouts is produced in partnership with the Asian Cultural Center on the campus of Indiana University, Bloomington. That's Hereabouts, Asian American Midwest Radio, coming up next on WFHB.